Listen as Jesus speaks to us from the Gospel of John, chapter 12, verses 20 through 33. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from the Sida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to Andrew. Andrew and Philip, in turn, told Jesus. Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for the eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will also be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from this earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. Blessed be the word. This story we hear today um, Kind of struck me in a in a different way, and I'm I'm not wearing my robe today, and I'm I'm going to sit here on this rather short stool, <laughs> um, because uh, today's sermon is a little different. I I didn't go through the normal same process that I normally go through to to write it, and uh, I'm telling you my story, my things from my heart versus me trying to think about what you God wants you to hear. <laughs> and uh, for me, it's important to separate those two things, you know, as opposed, you know, I'm not speaking from the pulpit. I'm speaking down here from my, from my stool, talking about my own kind of personal reflections on this text. This text is really John's, uh, and, and for visitors, I apologize, this isn't normally how the sermons go around here, but um, this this text today is John's take on Jesus's agony uh, before God, before going to Jerusalem and experiencing the cross. In the Gospels, uh, in the Synoptic Gospels, Mark, Matthew, and Luke, this scene takes place in the garden right after the Lord's Supper and uh, right before Jesus is arrested. And the stories are quite different. Uh, let, me read, let me read Mark's version, the oldest uh, version we have of this story. And it says this, They came to a place called Gethsemane, 
And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be distressed and agitated. And he said to them, I'm deeply grieved even to death. Remain here and keep awake. And going a little further, he threw himself on the ground and he prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. He said, Father, for you all things are possible. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I want, but what you want. And Jesus did that agonizing prayer three times. In Luke, it records that Jesus' sweat was like drops of blood. He was under such stress. Not so in John. John, uh, John is a later gospel, and the notion that Jesus would be under that kind of agony and stress really is not very comfortable for John. John likes a powerful, strong, courageous Jesus, right? And so in John, what it says, uh, you, you know, he says, uh, now my soul is troubled, which is still a little uncomfortable for John, but and he says, and what should I say? Fa- Father, save me from this hour? No. Bring it on. <laughs> it's kind of what Jesus does. And so I think it's an interesting uh, two reflections on Jesus's strength. In John, we hear a strength that comes through Jesus's character and who he is, the deified incarnation of God in Jesus Christ. And no, there's no worry here. In fact, when the angels come and, and, and take care of Jesus, Jesus says, hey, that was for your benefit, not mine in John, right? That was for your benefit. I'm fine. I'm ready to go. In Mark, a little more, ah, you know, this is so hard. This is so scary. We have a, a more relational Jesus, the one that we can relate to a little more. One who feels the agony and the pain of what he's about to undergo and is looking to God for answers, for strength, and for the ability to continue on. And it may, in the midst of this, I was reflecting on times when I, I needed strength. And, uh, you know, there was a time when I was 18 years old, uh, right after high school, and, uh, you know, for various reasons, that are silly now, but back then they were very serious. Various reasons. I was feeling very lost, very confused, uh, and not sure what it was all about. And so deep was my depression at that point that I, I, uh, I had a hard time sleeping. I was working at a, at a restaurant that was always open late, and I always worked these late hours, and I would be there till at least one o'clock in the morning, and then I'd get in my Ford Fairmont and drive home, and and uh, uh, I, I just couldn't sleep when I got home. So what I started doing was stopping at this all-night convenience store. I think it was probably Maverick or something like that, and uh, I would get some uh, Hagen Dazs, <laughs> which is really good. <laughs> And I'd rent a movie. They had, they had a selection of movies you could rent. And I would rent a movie and get a pint of Haagen-Dazs and go home and I'd stay up all night watching movies and eating ice cream. 
and wallowing in my own depression, uh, not feeling really motivated to do much of anything. I was trying to go to college, but barely showing up, playing a lot of pool, <laughs> not sure what my, I, I think I declared economics as my major, Lord knows why, no direction, no and quite honestly, it got to a point where I wasn't even sure I wanted to keep going. I wasn't really sure what, what I was going to keep going for. Um, there wasn't significant things going on in my life. I have to also tell you, I went to church every Sunday, but was not feeling the closeness to God that I had always felt before and I had really kind of forgotten about God anyway so I was going through this routine of, of over a few months of going home every night eating ice cream oddly at 18 I didn't gain any weight <laughs> I looked great <laughs> uh, and I would rent a movie some of them, and, and after a while, I had pretty much gone through all the movies they had uh, at this, because it was just a small selection at this convenience store. And There was one movie, though, that I had avoided. It didn't, didn't really look all that interesting to me. I'd never heard of it, never seen anything of it. Uh, it had Robert De Niro, and it was called The Mission. Anyone see that? Well, I'd skipped that movie many times, and in fact, had watched you know, breakfast club three or four times and stuff like that. And, um, but finally one, one evening when I was particular, I was, I was pretty down one evening I had, uh, finally said, you know, well, I'll give this one a shot. And, uh, I popped in this movie and it's, if you don't know the, first of all, the soundtrack is, Oh, it's uh, Ennio Morricone who did all the, the, the spaghetti westerns. But this was exquisite music. The music itself lifted me a little bit out of my mire. I mean, it's just so beautiful. Uh, this oboe and this uh, beautiful music sung by uh, South American children, uh, the Guarani. And it's, you know, the Ave Maria sung by the Guarani. Oh, it just kills you every time. So the music alone was pretty inspiring. And then, um, but it's a story about missionaries who are fighting to keep the Guarani uh, natives of Brazil from being enslaved by the Portuguese. And begging the Vatican, begging the bishop who was called to do it, to preserve the sanctity of the missions so that they could protect these Indians. And Robert De Niro plays a mercenary who converts to, uh, who, who gives up his violence after killing his brother in, in an act of vengeance, gives up his sword and becomes a priest. And in the end, they I'm giving it away, but they lose this battle. And the Portuguese uh, slave traders are going to come and take over the missions and enslave and take away the Indians. 
the, the Guarani. And the priests are trying to decide what to do about it. And Liam Neeson is the head priest who says, we will stand together and fall together. I won't abandon the missions, but I won't take up arms either. And at this point, Robert and the other, the other priests are all, we need to fight. And Robert De Niro decides he's going to take back the sword. Right? And so they, they get all prepared. Everyone's building, they build a cannon out of bamboo. You know, they do all this stuff. They're, they're, they're trying to, they, they, you know, they, they make weapons and they, they put traps in place and all this thing. The whole time, Liam Neeson is saying, this is not the way of Christ. This is not the way to do it. Fight, but fight like Jesus would have you fight. Fight with your faith. Fight with your passion for love. But they said, we've got, you know, we love these Indians and we want to protect them. And, uh, but then these troops come in and just wipe them out. Wipe them out. And there's this moment where uh, Robert De Niro, it, they, he had set up a booby trap on, the br- on a bridge so that this gun would go off if he pulled this string and it, and it, would, it would send all these volleys of gunshot into the troops that are there. Well, he, he's running. He's already been injured somewhere along the way. And he's running to go do that one last-ditch effort and he pulls on the string and it's loose. And he looks over and there, the, cap, the officer on the other end is holding the string that he'd cut. And this look on Robert De Niro's face of utter just dismay of like my god what have i done this isn't the right way this didn't do anything this wasn't you know he was right this wasn't the way to do this then they killed him right there what liam neeson did is he gathered all of the guarani from the missions into the chapel and he led mass and then they walked out of the chapel with the cross held high and the children and the adults come out of the chapel and lined up across the river from them are all the troops who set fire who fire into the crowd and eventually Liam Neeson dies cross in hand and one of the children come and pick up the cross and carry it forward. Powerful story. Great movie. Rent it. Own it. Get the soundtrack. <laughs> it's, it's a powerful movie just because it's a really good movie, but it's significant for me personally because that night when I watched that movie for the first time in my utter despair, when I was wondering what it was I had to live for, I sat there and watched this character, Gabriel, who was Liam Neeson, who knew what it was to live for, who knew what there was to live for. And I thought, you know, here I am 
ready to just stop living my life. And for what? Because my relationships weren't going well, because I didn't know what to do with my life, because I felt lost, and I thought, that's a dumb thing to give up your life for, right? This is dumb. (laughs) If I'm going to give up my life for something, it ought to be that. I ought to be held, you know, holding a cross up, going, you know, walking into the, the gunfire. It ought to be something like that. I ought to go out with better, you know, better than just fizzling out. I ought to go out in glory, right? And then I thought, you know what? If Jesus Christ is worth dying for, how much more is Christ worth living for? No. And it was that, just that notion, that idea that gave me the, the will and the desire and the strength to say, this is what it's about. And I'm not going to let even my own deepest despair steal that from me or take that strength, take that life away from me. And even though I didn't see my own life worth much at that moment, I certainly saw the life of Christ worth everything. And I decided, you know what, that's what I need to be about. And then I will find purpose. I say all that to say that in our brokenness, we sometimes struggle to find what it's all about and to find the motivation and the purpose and the drive to really live the life that deep down we really want to live. That, that God has created us to live. Or we look at it and we say, that I, couldn't, I can't really do that. I can't change. I can't become. I'm so far away from where I want to be, I just can't even really see where I'm going with it. And in our brokenness, we allow ourselves to believe that the answer is no when Jesus is screaming at us, yes, yes, yes. Jesus worked through the agony, prayed through the agony, and found the strength and the will that comes from God to go through his deepest moments of despair. And there was no miracle performed there in that garden other than the miracle of Jesus being attended to by God's Holy Spirit. Nothing there that's unique to Jesus that we can't do ourselves. Amen? We also, in our deepest moments of despair, And go before God in our agony. Sweat the blood of our stress out onto the floor and say, God, I am lost. I'm in despair. I'm confused. And I don't know how to move forward. 
At those moments, the Holy Spirit becomes more real than at any other in my experience. I want to, I just, what I leave with you today is, is the notion that your brokenness is not the end of the story. And where we find ourselves is not the end of the story. And our deepest moments of despair and sorrow are not the end of the story. But that God mends our brokenness and says, I know your courage is failing. Use mine. I know that your strength is failing. Let me give you my strength. Let me give you what you need to make one step forward, to move further down that path, maybe even to get up and start running at some point. But come to Me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest and carry you forward. Let us pray. Loving God, You meet us in our deepest moments of despair. Help us to know in those times that we are not alone. And maybe you remind us of that through a song, through a, even a movie, or the, the word of a friend at just the right moment. Or sitting through church on a Sunday when you really need to feel the body of Christ. I don't know. You work in so many mysterious ways. But help us to be open to the ministering of Your Spirit when we need it. Let us not despair to the point of remaining there broken. But help us to turn to Your strength. Accept the mended newness of life that You offer us through Jesus Christ. It's in His name that we pray.